What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. What's going on, man? What's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Probably better than you right now. <laughs> All right. Talk. Yeah, talk to me about that. Um, you know, it felt like Purdue was in control for a lot of that game. Um, you know, what happened at the end and uh, kind of where are you at with it? Uh, I just came down to the rotations. We struggled guarding the three from the beginning. Then uh, Maryland started making – they didn't make shots in the first half. So towards the end, they started making a few more threes. So they opened it up on defense, and then it came. That was it was a bad call at the end. But before that, they I mean they shouldn't have got off to rebound. I mean I don't feel I'm not upset by the loss, just simply because I mean we we're on the road. We lost by one. We should have got that offensive rebound. But I mean, we, it's just a tough one for a young team to lose on the road. But we like you said, we were in control of the whole game. But for it to come down to that was tough. Yeah, I mean, it's the weird thing about um, college basketball seasons are like you, you, it's little plays like that that end up um, determining things. Uh, like, kind of like what what's going to end up being the uh, who's going to end up winning the um, the league title and, and things like that. And really doesn't right. change all that much about how good a team actually is. It's just kind of what your record is. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Because I, I don't. Yeah. That was a t- the call at the end was terrible. Like, for that to decide the game, that was tough. But, yeah, like you said, the record doesn't really matter. Once this team gets in the tournament, if they can get on the run, if they can get on the I mean, – it's all about matchups. If they get a, good, a couple good matchups and get on the run, they'd be a fun team to watch. Right. Um, how much of a difference do you think Sasa Stefanovic not being there makes? Uh, it makes a big difference, just being able to stretch the floor. It kind of reminds me of, like, um, how Dakota Mathias, how we used him when he when I played. Just being out there, just even if he doesn't shoot the ball, you still have to guard him. But then when he does have the ball, he's such a good passer. So rather he's making shots or not, he can just affect the floor. But then you got um, with him being on the floor too. Defensively, he brings a different level because he knows how to play. He's not, not as athletic as Jaden, but he's a junior, so he's been there longer. He knows the rotations a little bit better, and he also brings us a level of toughness. So have, having him going is huge. I mean, he's definitely missed. We don't have a we don't have a guy. I mean, there's, he was the best shooter in the Big Ten, so there's not a guy that can shoot the ball like him. So having him on the floor just stretches the floor for Travion. It really helps Eric a lot as well, too. Uh, when are you going to get Dakota Mathias on the pot? That's what I want to know. <laughs> nah, we're working on it. He's pretty busy right now. <laughs> That's what he said. Oh, what, just, just playing in the NBA? Is that it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just I think he just signed to play with the national team this week. So, yeah, I'm happy for him. Wait, the national team? 
Yeah, he's on the USA team. He just signed on the um, I did not realize that. Wow. Good for him, man. Let me tell you right now. He just signed to play uh, Team USA. Yep. Good for him. Shaman, what's going on, man? What's going on, Rob? How you doing, man? We got a we got a lot of sad uh, sad people conversating in this chat tonight. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah. Did. yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a good night for the Hills, uh, unfortunately. So, just, um, what happened? I I didn't get a chance to see any of it because it, it was on the uh, the ACC network. So, like, I feel like I've never watched a single Clemson game because right. every single game they've ever played in the history of that program has been That's on good the for ACC you. network. So. That's a win for you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight, man, just uh, the Hills weren't able to uh, withstand uh, the execution of, of Clemson. It's not like Clemson did a lot of great things uh, offensively, uh, but the things that they did defensively kept the Hills um, from getting a good rhythm. Um, they did different things against the post. Uh, they they actually made, you know, did a great job of trying to make people shoot the basketball from the perimeter. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, the Hills weren't able to pull out the game this evening. Jeff, what's the uh, what, what was the most surprising result so far tonight? Uh, probably your Tennessee balls losing Ole Miss. I mean, they had it. They did. They had it. And all of a sudden, I look up and it's a tie score. And oh, by the way, Iowa's right now fighting, and Michigan State's got the ball down two with 48 seconds left. I mean, this has been a wild night. Yeah, it really has been. Yeah. The one that kind of went as planned was Baylor beating Texas. That was close for the first half, and then Baylor did what Baylor does, right? I mean, they just come out and just physically kind of impose their will. And, you know, they just play so well together. Like, they do everything. They just make plays, timely plays, and, and for each other. That's the one thing. I mean, Greg Brown's dunk was great, but, like, it was a dumb technical. Just a dumb technical, and it kind of changed a little bit of the momentum. That was the big game of the night. Uh, and now, honestly, you wonder, like, should we be ranking Baylor number one over Gonzaga? No. It's a legitimate question. They're blowing no, I, teams out. Good teams. It, yeah, I mean, I get it, but Gonzaga was blowing everybody out too. They were. Right? They were. And and so, it's. I mean, if you want to say that Baylor is the best team in the country, then I'm not going to, like, knock you for it. But I don't think that you should do it just because Baylor is all of a sudden winning games in the Big 12 when – Gonzaga's playing in the WCC. Like, we knew this was yeah. going to happen. So, you think it's almost like you want a 1A and 1B. Like, like this season legitimately deserves right now, like, not a, a – there's no number two team. Like, they're 1A and 1B. Well, there's no number three team. <laughs> no one else yeah, is That's there. for sure. That's for sure. I mean, I think Villanova will be, but they're not yet. They're not yet. And, and Jay Wright's probably happy that – Georgetown uh, wanted to play this game this weekend because if Georgetown bailed, it was going to be Gonzaga Villanova. That that was going to happen if Georgetown uh, didn't want to play the game. But you know, again, Big East man, you know, to me, uh, Val Ackerman, the Big East commissioner, just screwed it up for the rest of the country because we could we could have had a good game of Gonzaga Villanova over the weekend. Instead, uh, all eyes are going to be on Villanova Georgetown, right? All eyes. <laughs> That certainly would all be prioritizing this weekend. 
So, Chimam, was this just the question of them playing Clemson and, and Clemson just mucking it up? Or, like, now you go into this game against Duke. And listen, both teams are on rank for the first time since 1960. Right. But I'm honestly, I'm more intrigued than ever. I, I think more yeah. is on the line than ever because normally you're like, you know, you're playing for a seed. And, and I know you're playing for the ACC regular season title a lot of times, although. Lately, it's been Virginia's most most years of the last six or seven years. So you're not playing for that. So to me, I don't know. I, I think this one's <laughs> going to be an absolute slugfest, a war where it's like we're playing for the tournament, and we're, we're going to try to knock we're going to try to knock you out of playing playing in the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, the one thing that you you can always say about the Carolina Duke game, usually ninety eight percent of the time, regardless of what teams are ranked it's usually a good basketball game. Right. And so, you know, rankings, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's about pride. Yeah. And so you can expect to, to, to hopefully have a great basketball game. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just so shook from tonight. <laughs> Were you yelling at your TV tonight? Were you uh, yelling? Were you yelling at your TV at their offense tonight? Uh, yeah, I did yell a few times, and, um, <laughs> uh, as if they could hear me. I you don't know, blame one, you, man. Every once in a while in the game, I'll send a few texts. Hopefully, somebody has their phone on the bench. <laughs> you know, Russ, but Russ, uh, do do something, do something, make a shot. Yeah, man, it's um. Well, I, I think that they actually tried to do what was asked of them, and that's get the ball in the interior. But like I did in the in the in the pregame, um, I talked about you know the different styles of defenses that I felt like Clemson would play, um, with with trapping big to big, um, you know sitting a guard down, um, and letting the bigs play out of the post. Um, I mean when you have interior guys of that magnitude, the one thing that they have to really be great at is being able to play out of the double team out of the post. And knowing where their options are, I mean, I mean that's one thing that you can you, you know you can drill, you can drill that day in and day out, <laughs> big comes so on and so forth, and um, and I think just uh, they were surprised a few times, um, and you know uh, the game plan from Brunel was was great. I mean when you saw Dayron Sharp catch the ball at the top of the key, he would put Amir Sims back in the hole, yeah. uh, pretty much daring him to shoot the basketball. Um, you know that was that was game planning. Um, you know, the game was, it seemed like Carolina was always behind four to six points. And then, uh, Hunter Tyson got loose for three and, uh, that pushed the game up to seven. And so when you play a possession basketball games, um, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult to catch up. Um, because, you know, we're not shooting the three well. Um, as well as there were three possessions there in the second half, Carolina was at the, free throw line one and one uh two times with sharp and one time with garrison brooks and they missed the front end of one on ones and i think the game was 42 48 at that time um you know which which played a significant role as well but hat goes off to clemson and brad and uh now carolina will focus on trying to get back in the win column uh against duke this weekend how about brad brad's coaching career is crazy Crazy, like Ugh. great dude, great dude. You right. know, he's just like he's one of those guys that's like off the hot seat, back on, off, back on, like game to game. It's 
you know, it's hard. I mean, that's not an easy job. You know that, Jamon. Like Clemson, I mean, it, it was um, a good job. It, I don't know, Jeff. I mean, I mean, since I'm, you know, I'm originally yeah. from South Carolina, yeah, and uh, I live here in Greenville. And when you start talking about uh, high level basketball players, let's say high level, let's, let's just say top 120, you know, players in the country. If you look at the state of South Carolina in the past four years. I mean, there's 20 kids playing high major basketball, um, starting for programs in the United States. Yeah. And so when you have 20 kids, uh, playing high major basketball, um, you know, you say, Hey, what if these kids stayed home? I mean, you got to start, you got to start, start at Tennessee, start at Ole Miss. Um, you have, um, uh, Start at Nebraska, <laughs> you know, you got, uh, you got, uh, you know, you had Zion, you had Ja Morant, you had, um, uh, yeah, you could have had Ja, you yeah. couldn't have had Zion. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting Zion, let's face well, it. Like, I mean, like, I don't expect, I, no, but if you're, if you're Clemson <laughs> in South Carolina, you can't, you're not beating Duke, you're not beating Kentucky, you're not. Jeff, you got to understand the state. You got to understand the people in your state. Yeah. And if you don't understand the people in your state, then how can you recruit them? I mean, and so, you know, South Carolina's relationship built place. I mean, look at look at how many kids are leaving the state. That's off relationships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the kid that's drafted at Boston that went to Vanderbilt. Yeah, he's a South so. Carolina kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and Charleston. And, yeah, yeah. yeah Charleston kids. These kids should grow up yeah. loving Clemson. I mean, I mean, I, I was yeah. raised here. I grew yep. up loving Clemson. I went to North Carolina because Clemson yep. didn't recruit me. Right. <laughs> so no, I just if, think again the big the big boys. Wait, wait, wait hold on, boys. hold on. Can we rewind that real quick, Shaman? You would have gone to Clemson over North Carolina. Easy. I didn't even know who Dean Smith was when he came in the gym to see me. <laughs> That's, hey, we got to get that on the podcast. That was tremendous. I didn't. I, I didn't. I thought Coach when my prep school coach, Coach Eric. Uh, told me that Coach Smith wanted to talk to me after practice. I thought he was talking, referring to the Coach Smith that was at Virginia Tech at the time. And he was like, no, Dean Smith at North Carolina. And I looked and he waved at me, but no, I didn't know who Coach Smith was. I grew up a Clemson fan and um, because that's all we knew. Yeah. You know, yeah. when and that's all you knew and you, you you're saying it you should know. be like Memphis. You're, you, of that's course. what you're saying. It should be where Memphis kids want to stay in Memphis and they will pick Memphis over just about anybody. Right. Right? Like, right. occasionally a kid will leave Memphis. But for the most part, if Memphis is recruiting them, they ain't going anywhere. No. No, yeah. they're not. Yeah. And yeah, then, I mean, it yeah, takes time. I'm, you you got to have the right, the right coach, the right staff. You're right. It's relationship-based. I like Brad. That's probably – Brad is probably not the guy to be able to get that done. Yeah. I mean – He's a great guy. But, yeah. like – But you got to have some, some – and it's funny, Brad and Frank Martin are so different. But uh, anyway, all right, we we don't want to do too much on Clemson, <laughs> South Carolina on this on this pod. We can do that on another pod. But I think a lot of the guys in here probably. Let, let's see any of these guys in the room. You guys want to ask any questions? Um, jump in, ask any. Uh, you know, Sean, what's up, man? Sean, what's up? Not much. I hope y'all are all well. Um, uh, Jeff, Rob, Greg, Ant, um, Shimon. Uh, I basically big Tennessee fan here. And, uh, uh, basically it just seems like our, our defense is what it is. It's, it's above average to great. 
as its range, but our offense is just uh, average to abysmal. And and teams are figuring us out. And, and Ponds was the difference against Kansas. Uh, hitting a lot of tough shots was the difference. I don't think we're as good as we were against Kansas. I don't think we were as bad as we were tonight. But we've just got very little room for error when it comes to our offense. Just not. It's hard when, really Pond, when Ponds is your go-to create. guy. Well, I, Agree. I, I just think when Ponds is your go-to guy, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> it, we, it, it, you can't, can't have that. Springer has done a good job giving us a spark and giving us just activity, but there's no intent with our offense. Like there's no go-to guy who can get to the rim consistently. Viscovi is as streaky of a shooter as you can find. And again, Springer is a lot of activity, but not a lot of intent and, you know, confidence in him to get it done. And Keon Johnson just seems it's not there for him. It has not clicked for him. I don't know if it's going to. I'm not worried in terms about like, I'm not saying he's not a lottery pick or anything like that, but just this year at Tennessee, there's just not consistency. There's no consistency at all. And like you said, Jeff, if the consistency is pawns, good teams are going to be able to limit him. Totally. Sean, I got a question for you. I know you've watched way more Tennessee than I have. Why isn't that go-to guy, Jaden Springer? And I'd love other people's opinions on that too. But like, I mean, he's going to be a first round pick, right? I feel like he has the game for it. Why hasn't he? I Well, number one, it's hard to see that. Rick Barnes has never been the type of guy to really have a go-to guy. You know, with Tennessee, it's always been a, you know, committee effort. With Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, you had the inside-outside combination. One of them would take over for each other, and that's fine. But with Springer, it's just the the shot. He doesn't have a lot of confidence in his shot to be a volume shooter as of yet. And I don't think he trusts his ability to really consistently get to the rim. I think that he's liking the ability to be a creator more it is as a confidence as a go-to scorer. I don't think it's necessarily a negative that, you know, he doesn't have that confidence, but it's just not there as a part of his game yet to take over as a score. It's an activity initiator and creator, and Tennessee already has too many of those. They need a go-to guy to score, not a go-to guy to create for others who should I think also part of it is that, you know, he's been banged up, right? Like he had, was it? Ankle? It was. It was his like ankle. He, like he rolled his ankle against, uh, who did he do it against? It was the first game. It was against Alabama. Yes. And then he re-injured it against Vanderbilt. Um, and from what I understand is that he's kind of been dealing with it ever since, right? Like it's one of those things where there was a while it was, it was kind of like a day-to-day, are you going to pr- play today? Are you going to practice today thing? Um, and like anybody that's ever rolled an ankle knows, you know, that's that's the kind of thing where if you're, um, playing based off of your explosiveness that can really mess you up. So I think that's definitely played a part in it as well. Yeah, and, and, and I think it just goes to show the, 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 the always their question with Rick Barnes is that, you know, he, he his scheme works. He can mold his scheme to make it work with the guys that he's got to either stay competitive or be in the conversation or so show flashes of being a top 10 team with what he's got at Tennessee. But now that he's got two of the best natural talents that he has, can he maximize the talent of those guys instantly enough to show being a consistent top 10 team or to rise to the occasions against similarly talented teams? And the, the in-game creativity and adjustments – just is not there. You've got to have value added from your schemes. Defensively, it's there, but offensively, I just I have very little confidence, far less confidence that I had that it would be there. I just think that he's not adding enough value himself to a team that's just going to struggle. 
you know, listen, they, they, by the looks of it, they certainly need uh, more skill. Uh, they, they've got after toughness. They've got that. They've got athleticism, but it, it feels like they just need more skilled guys. And it's not that I, again, I think these guys were highly recruited. I think they play hard. I don't think it's that. I, I just think, again, you look at it and you're like, all right, you got a bunch of guys that, none of which can just make a play for you. Like you can't run a play and just say, hey, go get one for us. They don't really have that guy. I mean, do y'all think that, I mean, when you look, I mean, y'all obviously are much more validated opinions than, than I am, but I see like, for instance, like these these mock drafts out there where Keon Johnson is, you know, in the lottery and things like that. But to this point, it is much more the idea of Keon Johnson that I think is carrying through than what he's actually been. I think he's a very talented player, but I would have hoped for a little bit more production and consistency than we've got gotten from him. I mean, you're, when you're drafting Keon, though, you're drafting him because you're going to get a guy that's an elite defender and someone that is one of the most explosive athletes that you are going to find on the planet. Um, and then you kind of hope that you can you can mold the jump shot and mold the skill set um, and bring it around uh, kind of in the long run. And, and, you know, that's kind of what you're betting on sure. when you're drafting him in the lottery. And I think that that's why – I mean, I think it's definitely worth it. You know, there, there's a reason why – Tennessee we went after him like if you look at the players that have been in that program um, and the players that they are recruiting it's 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 kids that are kind of built on toughness and built on work ethic and built on um, developing themselves and I don't think that they're going to change that just because they're going after kids that are freshmen you know so that I think that's part of it as well right if I de- if Tennessee is identifying that kid is someone that they want to be a part of their culture then then I think you can kind of just blindly assume that like okay he probably has a pretty good work ethic and he's probably not really a, a problem in the locker room. So, um, you know what the thing is, yeah. though, Rob. Like at Texas, Rick did that too, but he he meshed them a lot better, right? He had he had PJ Tucker and and Avery Bradley and, and tough MFers, but he had guys that can score. Obviously, KD was you know a different level, but like even the Damian Jameses of the world, um, they they had other guys that could score the basketball. I just feel like this Tennessee team. Like these two kids need another year. I'm not sure they're going to take it, you know, Springer and, and, and Keon. But like, they clearly could use another year in college. You know, that doesn't mean anything. We we know that if they're drafted in the first round, most kids uh, are, are are gone. And I, I don't know, you know, yeah. To me, Shimon, I don't know what you think of that. Like these kids now, it's so different than when you were coming out of school. It was like. Either you were lottery or you were going to go back to school. Now, I don't even think it's first round. A lot of kids, it's like guaranteed second rounders, and they're gone. Yeah, I think, the you know, in today's society, having the instant gratification of having the NBA uh, name or possibly being a pick, I think in today's world, that's enough for some people. Uh, not understanding how ruthless <laughs> – uh, that business is. Uh, I think the most disappointing thing for me is when you see these kids leave early and they're only in the NBA for two years. And uh, because it's not like it's a guarantee, you know, guaranteed four years. Uh, like when we were coming out at being the first round pick. Um, so, you know, you have a, a lot of kids that are willing to go to the G league um, because, you know, that's, you know, that's idolized. I mean, that's, that's okay for some people. Um, you well, know, they think they're closer. Uh, 
They, yeah. they think they're closer to the NBA right. because they're a part of the NBA, but they don't right. realize like. But the G League really also not. allows some money, though. You know what I mean? I mean Say again. The G League allows them to make some money. A lot of the this kids, year. a lot of the kids leave early. They leave early too because of financial situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, leaving, so now, leaving, leaving for financial situation is is by far. Yeah, they increase the salary in the D League. It makes more sense to leave early. Because why not leave okay, early and make in the well, league and stay in school and not get paid? Well, this is this is the this is the thing for me. Um, if you're if you're in an environment where you're getting better, you know it, it's not about it's not about a sprint. It's not how fast you get to the NBA. It's how long you stay. What's so you submit? Would you rather get better getting paid or get better getting somebody else paid? But who said you're getting better while you're getting paid? Won't you? Right, like I mean, Green. You're getting better at university though, because AJ Hammonds was at Purdue for years. He was. As good as he was, he never entered the gym by himself. Yeah. So him, he himself could have went to the G League early and well, got as good as he was earlier than he was. Well, AJ AJ Hammonds probably shouldn't have gone to Purdue. Why now, not? because if if they're if he's not in an environment where they're getting you better, then why go anyway? No, I'm just saying, getting you better is up to is up to you, not the school, right? Well, it depends on who's teaching you. You can want to get better, but if they can't teach you, you're not going to get better. I mean, but at the end of the day, if you want to go to the NBA and you want to continue your basketball career, if you're leaving up to the coach for you to get better, I mean, that's a that's a lead to okay. the end, right? Well, well, well uh, tell me this: How, if you wanted to build a house right now, as much as you wanted right. to build that house, would you go to somebody that's ever built a house or or someone that has never built a house? What's the correlation, though? What, what do you mean? The correlation is people can't teach you stuff that they don't know. I know, but in G League, you you dealing with NBA coaches, you are dealing with NBA film directors, you are dealing with people that are right there with the game. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, wait a minute! No, it no, a I mean, no, it depends on who you with. I know Drew Anthropo was at Purdue was a G League assistant who just was the video coordinator with the Lakers. So it just depends on which organization you would, I guess. But that's the same thing in college as well. So would you rather get paid? That's my question. If you don't necessarily know if you're going to get better or not, wouldn't well, you this rather is, be making $60,000? This, 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 this is well, this is me. I'm betting on myself that right. uh, that that I'm going to make more than that 70000 Okay. if I put the work in. But that's you, what that's I'm saying. Point. I'm, I'm, that's my point. If I'm, if I'm betting on myself, I'm a betting man. If I bet on myself, I'm going to go make my 70000 that same year, just like these high school kids are doing. They're choosing to go to the G League. And make three hundred fifty thousand compared to go to the to college and make nothing. They're betting on themselves to not need college to get to the same positions. But 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 Kate like Cunningham. Little, but wait, 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 hold on. Yeah, Kate Cunningham's getting zero right now. Jalen Green's getting five hundred grand. But Kate is on TV every single day building his brand. Brand also. So no question. His shoe contract. You, I mean, five hundred. I get what you're saying, but five hundred thousand right now compared to building a brand. If he com- comes out and is a lottery pick, they both get a shoe. They both get a shoe deal. They both get a contract. So I'd rather they, go into the NBA already they, up five hundred grand. But but this is my opinion about Jalen Green. I understand that he went to the G League, but I tell you this: if he was in college, in my opinion, from what I've seen from him, he would be standing room only. Oh, he would right. be Zion, he would right. be Zion Williamson. You know who the he's kids, playing with right kids, now. You know who he's playing right now. With Sharif Cooper, who, at, he'd be 
Oh, Sharif Cooper. Right. Yeah, what, is what is all that matter? What good is that? I'm, 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 I'm explaining I'm explain it to you. There's kids in South Carolina that know who Kay Cunningham is that don't know who Jalen Green is. So when Kay Cunningham's shoes come out, they're going to buy his shoes because they know who he is. They can identify with who he is and who he is. That's the difference. I mean, so we're talking about – so we're just – You're talking about millions, you're talking about millions of dollars. What I'm saying is we're saying if kids go to college, they're going to college because of their shoe deal at the end of the day. Well, you can have an institution behind you. That's not bad. If you're saying it's coming behind a shoe deal, I mean, I mean, LaMelo Paul, I mean, what are we saying? Would you – so you say, okay, tell me this, tell me this. Is LaMelo Ball deal, is LaMelo Ball deal better than Zion Williamson's deal? Is his deal better than Zion Williamson's deal? Zion Williamson went to college. Think about what LaMelo would have made if he had gone to college. Which deal? Yes. He's been, he's been, say it again. It would have been insane if LaMelo had gone to college. What? I'm saying they both made it to the same position, no matter the path they took. No, ain't no question. No, no question. You're absolutely and, right about and it. Lamelo, Lamelo proved you don't so, need college to do it. I, I disagree to the extent that, with the recognition that comes with college, the continuity of Zion's brand going to a Duke stayed at a much more relevant level than Lamelo's did going overseas to play a lot of his ball. That's another thing that being going to college right now helps out with. I know that you're not making money instantly, but with respect, let me finish real quick. But the thing I'm getting at is, is that while you're not making the money now, the continuity of your brand staying relevant and going to college gives you a much better chance to make that money early rather than coming over and potentially struggling. And then you don't have that. You've got to not only build your game back up, but the continuity of your brand that makes you struggle if you get to the NBA and potentially get to the. I completely get everything you guys are saying, but we forget LeBron James had a hundred million deal out of high school. So I get what y'all are saying. LeBron, <laughs> that's LeBron. LeBron. LeBron's is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the problem with this is like <laughs> the problem with this is like Lamelo and LeBron. To me, the conversation thing. is less about Zion. them. It's more yeah, that's about what I'm saying. Zion is Zion too. He's a physical specimen. Yeah, like like Zion. Zion is is unique. We're, we're not going to see people like Zion or anyone like Zion. We're not going to see anyone like Lamelo who had the the kind of like social media buzz and, and uh, the notoriety that he had when he was like 14 years old. Like that, that I don't think that's going to really happen again. Um, so there's, there's certain guys where it's like, it doesn't really matter what they end up doing. Uh, they're, they're going to be just fine. Like they're going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. The guys that, that we probably should be talking about are the ones that where their decision is like, okay, do I come back or do I go pro and try to fight for a two way? And if I don't get it, do I have to go overseas? Like that's where the conversation needs to be. And that's to me where you have to say, like, okay, if if they're leaving because of a financial reason, let's find a way to create the financial incentive for them to be able to stay in school. And the answer to that is like the, the, all the nil stuff, you know. So it, I, I think that the, the the truth is like some guys are just better off where it's like they're going pro and they don't have to worry about school and they don't have to worry about books and they don't have to worry about like having class checks and they don't have to worry about study hall and all they got the responsibility that comes with it, yeah. Yeah, right. all I got to do is just go to the gym and play ball. Like, there's guys that are like, like, there's other guys that are wired for like, yeah, and there's there's other guys that are like wired for uh, the structure that you get when you go to class and the college experience, and they want to be that like celebrity on campus kind of a deal. There's guys where that's that's the right route. 
And I think the what opening up the NIL does is take the financial situation out of it, right? They make it so that like the money isn't necessarily the decider for you. And I think that's what we that that's the reason why you want to do it. Like if you want to go pro, go pro. Like that if that's a better option for you, do it. But I don't think we should have it be where it's just strictly a financial decision. Like because if you're making every single decision you make strictly based off of finances, uh, that's a very that's not. You're never going to find like true happiness. You're never going to find necessarily what you want to do. You know, I mean, it's not. Mike, too deep for the conversation. Not, <laughs> no, not no, not not necessarily finances, but the fact of because nowadays kids can get on social media and they can be seen every yeah. night. Back day, back in the day, you said you have to go to these high majors to be seen. Now you don't have to do That's that true. anymore. So now, what is the value? What is a high? What value is a high major bringing me? I get what you're saying, the brand of the program, but Zion was going to be Zion, no matter he went to Duke or North Carolina. But if you get what I'm saying, so yeah, yeah. But let's say if Zion would have went to the G League. Well, if he kills the G, if he kills the G League, he's still the number one pick, right? But but, there, but right? I think he would have been dominant. I think he'd have been dominant. I mean, you that's my young thought. I think he, I think he'd have been dumb. I think he he possibly would have. Yeah, he was I he do. was not going to be the number one pick out of high school. He was not going to be the number one pick. League. If he went to G League and dominated, if he dominated the G League, I I mean that's that's a possibility. I don't think that I don't think that he would have gotten the shoe deal that he got. I'm just going to run it back real quickly to Jeff's point about Keon and Jaden coming back to Tennessee. If they want to come back and play a year with Kennedy Chandler, they're more than welcome to, by the way. So I'm thinking <laughs> out there. But, hey, I'm all for that, Jeff. So great. Well, I, I was thinking about what you were saying about those two guys, too. I mean, let's, let's also give them a chance. I mean, they're still freshmen. Though that they're talented and you've seen them do certain things in, in, in high school, I think that they – I think that – you know, you know, you're still talking about freshmen and a freshman in a and you know, Coach Barnes is a tough coach. I mean, it's 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 hard for coaches to say, hey, you know what? You know, go take this shot whenever you want to take it. You know, that's not who he is. And so, um, you know, you we all know and feel like those kids could do a lot more things offensively uh, for those teams. But, you know, he has a he has a system to run. And that system has been successful for him. And so it's hard for them to go outside of that system, no different than it was, you know, for Coach Smith. No matter how talented the guys were, this was my system, and the system benefited everybody. And so for Coach Barnes, it's difficult for him to go to a freshman and say, hey, man, you know, go win the game for me. You know, it's that's that's a difficult conversation for most coaches. Cause Unless it's they, KD. Yeah. You know, he, not he did it with KD, that's yeah. about it. Most of them are not interested in, in those guys leaving and going to the NBA. That doesn't benefit in some of, in some of their eyes. That doesn't benefit them. Where Mom, I think he, if they, he tried to convince KD to go back to Texas, well, I, he did. I, no, no, he I really did. I can't. I can't speak on that, Jeff. But a lot of these coaches, they don't look at the benefits of those kids leaving and going to the NBA, saying, "Hey, you know what? If I if I've been, if I've helped this young man." grow to where he can leave and go to the NBA, I can develop the next one as opposed to trying to hold on to him. I, I do feel like if the opportunity presents itself and you're prepared, then you must go. But it, it doesn't benefit these institutions, you know, like for them to go to the league because, hey, you know what? We may we not may not be as good as we were with them and we may not get the next one. 
My bad, cut you off. Who is it up to the side of players? Say it again. Who is it up to decide if a player is prepared enough or not? Is it up to that player? If you're saying if it's the coach doesn't care, I think it's it's I think it's I think it's his support system. I think it's the people who helped him get to where he was. The the reason why he's there there now. I mean, there's a reason. Go early. We look at guys like they're crazy for believing in their family and trusting that system. No, I I I don't. Not me personally. You know, I don't because you got to look at it. The reason why they're at that institution is because something has been something has gone right for those individuals to receive a scholarship, regardless of what level that is. Now, now, when it comes time for those people to make those decisions, then, you know, you you have to lean on the people that have helped you get there to that point, because guess what? If it benefits you, then that's good. If it doesn't work for you, guess what? You have to look at those same people that advised you. So a question I that I have is this. <laughs> is, is a, I think B.J. Boston is, is a fun um, you know, idea here to where you see him um, at the first of the year being a top 10 projected pick. And then you see the struggles to where now you're seeing these projections. And I know you can only put so much on projections. But, you know, Coach Cal's had a recent, you know, history, especially with guards, where he didn't get the most out of them in Kentucky. They go to the NBA. They certainly show out. Are we starting to see a shift in how much is put on how these ultra-talented kids who are high pedigree coming out of high school, how they perform in college in really determining and really having a big impact on the opinion you have of what they'll be in the NBA? Are we start, is, is it, do, do you put only so much on it? Do you put a lot on it? Do we think this draft class and the next few draft classes could be a shift that maybe how they perform in college is not as important as them getting into the right system I think it's going to be harder this year. I think it's going to be harder because uh, most NBA guys I've talked to aren't at the games. So they're watching like like we are on TV. They don't have as good a feel. Um, now, the positive of that, there's a positive and negative. The positive is that they're watching more because I'm at home right now and I'm watching, you know, four games a night. Uh, they're doing the same thing instead of being at one game. But they get a better feel in person. They're all. They're also able to do a little bit more due diligence on on the player, uh, talking to people around the program. Like I know some some assistant GMs and people that go in and literally are talking to like the janitor all the way up to the head coach and everybody in between. Those are the guys that are really good to me in, in finding out because we all know to some degree. I mean, not everybody, but we know the guys who can play. And, and they're making their own decisions, the NBA guys. But but ultimately, I think a lot of the, the tougher part of it is figuring out what's upstairs, right? Like, how hard do they work? Because the biggest thing is you can improve in the NBA. Shimon knows this. I mean, you, if you work, like, how many guys, Shimon, how many guys are, like, in the same grouping in the NBA talent-wise? Like, what percentage of guys are, like, pretty close talent-wise? I mean, there's, like, what, 5 five or 10% that are elite players? There's probably 5 or 10% that don't belong. And then everybody else isn't all that different. And, and isn't work ethic and focus and, and those things and system and, and, and those type of things going to determine success for a lot of them? I Yeah. To, to answer your question, Jeff, I think that it will. So much of what happens when you're in the NBA is 
is where you get drafted to or who you signed with or whether or not you find the fit. Like the difference between player, like the, the 100th best player in the NBA and like guys that are out there averaging like 10 or 15 points playing in Europe is really not all that much, right? It, it, there's really not all that much of a difference. It's, it, it's can you find the role that works for you? Will you buy into the role that works for you? Can you accept being a guy that uh, is only out there to re- rebound and play defense? Like, can you accept the fact that you're not going to be getting 20 shots a game? Um, and do you fit within the culture of the organization that you end up with? You know, if you end up with like the Kings, I hope there's no Sacramento fans here, but if you end up with the Kings, like that might not be uh, as good of a situation as if you end up with like the Warriors. So I, I think that there is, um, there's a lot of luck involved, but a lot of it is like, guys that make their own luck and and you know there's a reason why you see someone like a um like a i don't know like a Brent forbes go from being like not even really being considered to as an nba player to like finding a a, a spot in the team and a, a spot in an organization like there's so many guys like that where it's just that kind of ended up in the right system it was a pleasure tonight guys y'all have a great thanks Sean. you too man good chatting with you i'll jump in on this topic i i think uh good evening everybody Oh, hold on, Fanta, Fanta. I need I need an update on the weather in Hoboken. Oh, I was Probably actually going I was I was gonna look into an update on Jeff Goodman scheduling Villanova and Gonzaga. Man, I tried, <laughs> I tried. You saw, like I pushed it. Maybe I should have called Val Ackerman. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, I screwed up. You know, I screwed up here, but I blame it on Georgetown. They should have <laughs> deferred. It's Georgetown's fault. Right, exactly. That's exactly whose fault this. I think I I'm just thinking of two things right now as I'm listening. This is amazing discussion. I think the one thing is you you talk about that support system. For every guy, that support system evolves, it changes, and I just hope that that when these kids make these decisions, that that support system they go back to the roots of that system. Because what happens is that mm-hmm. system adapts, it evolves. And then what you sometimes have is someone who's looking at it from just a strictly a financial position. And I also look at it from something that we don't consider enough. And, and you know, I'll, I'll reveal this here. I, I covered Isaiah Whitehead at Seton Hall, who leads Seton Hall to a Big East championship in 2016. And, and I'm not going to get into the weeds of the situation, but the kid had to go pro. He had to go pro. For a variety of reasons, there was go, coming back to his college was was not going to be an option because of some extenuating circumstances. And and we've heard these situations in different ways. Is that you you your background from background to background you you have to you have to take that leap. And and sometimes what happens is you're you're taking this this total chance that ends up not being very rational just to be able to to either hear your name selected because you might hear your name selected still be bet on potential but but you still might not pan out at all and that goes to Rob's point of like at the end of the day I would rather go undrafted than get drafted 53rd if I go undrafted I have some more control over who that fit might be over who that team's going to be that I that I sign with I sometimes look now at the 52nd pick in the draft and it, and if it's a crappy fit for that player, it's it's just not going to work out, and it's really unfortunate sometimes because you you might end up getting picked fifty eighth, and it's like there's there's really no rhyme or reason to that, and that's where I go back to 
you know, that's, that's the type of chance that these guys take. And, and the, the, the luck situation there, it's very, very real. And I think the one biggest thing that sometimes pops into my head is, yes, you could hit that jackpot of, of getting picked in the right situation in the NBA. And if you hit that quote unquote jackpot, you're going to be able to, to get yourself to a great, great point. But the flip side of it is you end up, you know, being, being uh, overseas and, and potentially making your dollar. But the remaining idea of you being heavily relevant in the world of basketball kind of goes out, it kind of goes out the window. And, and that's where I look at like, do you stay for that, for that junior year um, to, to potentially have maybe your last great, great year of basketball? And who knows, maybe you improve your chances of hitting that jackpot in the NBA. Um, but I think that that's the, that's the dynamic of certain players that I've looked at and, and have said to myself, ah, situationally, like you, you, there's no rhyme or reason once we get to the second round of the NBA draft. It's, it's, it's to Rob's point. It's all fit. And I'm at a point where if I'm a player, I don't want to get selected 56 because what's the difference at that point? Yeah, you get to see your name on a board at 1145 at night on ESPN. But turn the page the next day and get to look at some potential teams that you could land on and maybe have more control of your situation. I mean, to your point, look at look at Fred Van Vliet, right? Like yes. He, the, the story is always like he, he was undrafted. And, and Jeff, please correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, but But my understanding is that, like, he had opportunities to be drafted in the second round um, during in his draft class. And he and his agent told people like, we don't, we don't want to go there. We want to be able to choose where we go. We want to bet on ourselves. And he did it. And he scored 54 points tonight in a game. He's going to make like, has he, has he signed his new contract yet? Amazing. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. He got paid. He got paid. 80 million, million. I think. 54 tonight is amazing. I mean, that is, yeah. Fred Van Vliet going for 54. Wow. He's a killer though. I mean, he's an absolute killer, and he didn't care, and he used it to his advantage. And, you know, listen, uh, again, I, I think so much depends on, on your mental makeup. And, and like I kind of got back to a few minutes ago, I, I think so many guys are similar in terms of talent level. Um, but, but so much is, you know, and you see guys like that couldn't shoot going into the NBA. Darrell Wright's one that always comes back to me. Coming out of high school, I saw Darrell Wright a ton. In AU ball, he couldn't shoot. He led the NBA in three-point field goal percentage one year. Why? Because he worked at it. He worked at it like nonstop. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's really what you're kind of um, betting on. I, I do think that is where some of the value comes in in college, um, especially for like the NBA teams to be able to determine uh, like who is going to be that worker, who is going to be. Uh, maybe a kid that doesn't necessarily fit that way. So um, I think there is value there. But again, like I, I keep going back to to Rafael's point, where it's like some guys just aren't built for that, right? Like some guys just aren't meant to be to be in college. Like some guys are just they don't want to do it. And and honestly, like, how long do you? Oh, I'm sorry. My no, bad. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, my question was, how long do you have to prove that you're a hard worker in college? I mean, if I come in and I prove that, because after my sophomore year, I mean, my freshman year. I think Coach Payne called me the hardest worker he ever seen. And if I'm an NBA – I wasn't. But if I'm an NBA guy, how many times do I have to be called a hard worker for me to be proven that I'm a hard worker? Do I have to keep coming back to prove that? You know what I'm saying? 
No, you need somebody to be able to tell the NBA guys it may be in high school, right? It may be enough people see you on the court and how hard you go at it. Again, you know what the mantra was coming out of the McDonald's practices? I I covered it that week when Zion was there. That Zion didn't play that hard. And they weren't wrong. He didn't play that hard at the McDonald's practices. He did not go go that hard that week. Now, he, he was overweight. He was coming off an injury where he had put on a lot of weight and he had started to lose it. But like, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not, I just talked to Jalen Green and and Jonathan Kaminga not that long ago. And, uh, and I asked them both, I was like, how hard is it for you guys to watch that? You know, right now it's all about Kate Cunningham and and Jalen Suggs and they're getting all the attention and, you know, they, they had the right answers. And, And one thing, Listen, this new deal, this new G League deal is different. The old G League, they were making no money. They were making no money. You know, these guys are getting paid, and they're getting – Brian Shaw's coaching them, and they're learning. They're having classes, whether it's on, you know, finances, agents coming in, whatnot. So they are learning things in this this, – I like this. I like this option for kids because you're right, Rayfeld. Not everybody is cut out for college, maybe number one, or they just feel like, Hey, this is a better path. I'm going to take my money. Now I'm going to take my 500 grand now because maybe I get hurt or, or maybe I get exposed or, or whatever. I'm going to take what I can. Now there's nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong. I think college is, and it's going to change with the, the name image likeness here in the next couple of years, because the disparity right now is 500 grand to well, legally zero. We know that's not always the case. Guys are getting paid, but, um, we'll see if that gap closes a little bit and if that kind of changes the way kids think. And, and maybe the G League's got to boost it up to a million dollars instead of 500 grand. All right. And it's also make a difference if it, if it always makes a difference if, um, when these guys come back to school, it isn't just about basketball. Cause I mean, now whether a guy comes back or a guy doesn't, the school doesn't always necessarily care if he graduates. Or cares if he gets hurt his senior year, does that school help him get a corporate 500 job to maybe compensate on what he might have made in NBA because he came back that year and got hurt? Well, well if Caleb right. Swanigan comes back to Purdue his junior year and gets hurt, he's not a first-round draft pick. Well, usually usually they do a Lon- Lords of London right. uh, sure insurance policy. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. No, I, 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 I the can't player speak. does. I'm talking about the university. I'm talking about no, what type of the, the university. Well, what I'm what I've been accustomed to is the university. Oh, okay, they, maybe they no. Okay, I got you. No, no, no. I you know what I'm you. saying? But yeah. but 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 you said it best. I, I mean, think about think about this, gentlemen. Think about this. They say the longer you stay in college, the worse you're, the worse you are. Yeah. Now think about that. Uh, what does that say about college basketball? <laughs> Yeah, if horrible. you right. if it's you, horrible that, so, that, that's so, the mantra on it. Yeah. yeah. So terrible. so what are they saying? So I, I don't blame these kids going to the G League trying to learn the game early. I, I don't blame that. But when there's when there's a thought process that college, the longer you stay in college, the worse off you're gonna be, that means that you you're not learning. You're not learning or developing the way you need to develop that you can continue to be a quote unquote working toward being an NBA basketball player. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. think about that. I agree. Think about the, if, if, if this is supposed to prepare, if college is 
is supposed to prepare us to be professionals off the basketball floor. Let's just just say in 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 the working world, uh, whether you want to work on Wall Street, whether you want to be a, a a doctor, a chemist, you go to college so you can learn this information so it gives you a better chance of getting the better jobs when you leave college. Why don't we put the same emphasis on basketball? Because you're old. Because uh, the NBA is putting it out there that, that, that if you're old, yeah. we but, don't value you as much, which is so dumb because, let's face it, you're drafting a guy, and generally he might be there for two contracts these days. Yeah. Right? Like the average. You're going to get him for one, then you're, you're, you're going to pick up his, his option, and, and he'll be there for – yeah. probably the average of first-round picks is like five years per player. So, like, what do, what do they care? Wouldn't you rather have a guy that comes in at 22 and is ready? Like, yeah. I would, for the most part. Now, again, there's yeah. some guys who have ridiculous ceilings. That's different. Yeah. That's different. But I'm saying, like, like a guy like Grant Williams, for instance, who comes in the Celtics, and he's 22 years old and he's ready to play right away. Aaron Neesmith can't get in the court right now. Yeah. Look at Peyton Pritchett. Yeah. He's, he's been unbelievable. Been yeah. unbelievable. Why? Like you said, 22 years old, you can put him out there. He knows how to play. He's been taught. He's been coached by a really, really good ball coach in Dane Altman. So he's prepared. And Brad Stevens trusts him because he's going to make all the right decisions for the most part, right? He's going to be in the right spots. That's why Robert Williams couldn't play for the first few years. Couldn't play. He didn't know rotations. But they don't understand the severity of it being a job. Part of well. him too. Right. You know what I mean? It's, yes, it's, that was it's half, just half of it's it just basketball. Oh man, it's just hoop. It was off the court. Yeah, right. but um, I mean, but you know, just think about it. They're 19 years old. We we just hooping. This is what we've always done. We've always hooped. It's not it's not an emphasis on understanding how important this is. Well, and, or they um, get paid too. Or they get a false narrative of money. Like that. Yeah, they're just hooping, but they get they get painted this false narrative that they're about to be swimming in. And they might be at first, they might be at first, but it might, it might not be the best choice for them in that long term. They get promised something in the short term and, and that's where things can go the wrong way in this. Yeah. It, 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 we also got to realize too, that going overseas and making 150,000, I mean, that's a lot of, that, a good life that too. there is more money. That there is more money than a lot of these kids' households growing up. Going overseas, oh, no making a hundred, making eighty thousand, compared to going overseas for say you're a junior, and say you make the decision to leave compared to you coming back. You may or may not be graduating. You may or may not be on a path to a corporate job. Basketball is going to be your job regardless. We just said that the league doesn't value an older player. If I have a decision, I can go make six figures, a hundred thousand or eighty thousand right now, compared to coming back and just being a man on campus. If my family, yeah. it, I mean, it's that's the easy. It's well, not always about money, and I definitely get that. But right. I don't want to. I don't want to keep making this university hundreds of million dollars from selling uh, my jersey. Hey, or yeah. Well, Rafael, hey. Rafael, the point that I was making before is like, if we by opening up the NIL, if you can make the decision, be okay. I can go over um, and make like eighty k in Turkey, living in Turkey, living in Istanbul, right. like not knowing anyone over there, not speaking the language, or I can come back, get another year closer to my degree, right? and make like 35 K off of like Instagram endorsements or whatever. Like if you could do that, that's only the top guys though. That's not, I mean, that's just, and I get that, but that's, 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 that's going out on a whim too. We talking about a big hope 
Like, if I got to guarantee 100000 85000 me trying to go out on the hope and think I'm going to get some Instagram deals for 35000 No, no, no. I hear you. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, providing that option, right? If, if you need to go over there and make that money and you want to make that money and that's the best thing for you, then, like, go. Go do it, man. Go do what's right. best for you, right? right. But I, I'm saying, like, giving somebody that option because at the end of the day, like, eventually that ball is going to stop bouncing, right? Yeah. And you yeah. can't just rely on your athleticism <laughs> for your whole life. And, and yeah. Look, nah. And my you spent eight years my... overseas at $100,000, like 800 grand is a lot of money. 800 yeah. grand is not going to last you the rest of your life. Right. And my thing is, no, and I, I get what you're saying. I definitely agree with you. But for me, and I'm nobody, obviously, but 35000 oh, no. What? No, come on, man. No, no, no. I mean, like, no, I mean, just this. <laughs> I mean, on this topic right here, as far, right. Uh, <laughs> as, far as, like, 35000 off Instagram deals, and I'm going to use just a random coach, a coach in the Big Ten making $2.5 million. I mean, and I'm the – I'm come on. I mean, when is this going to start to level out in the sense of we're giving these dudes pennies and we're expecting them to come and risk break nah. – because they come back, he tear ACL. Um, that 35000 yeah, won't be 70 uh, the next I'm, year. Let me pose this question to this whole group. What percentage of college basketball players are benefiting significantly from name, image, and likeness? Define significantly. All of them. All of them. Exactly. Define significantly. Because the answer is not not a big percentage. But I would say all of them because it takes everybody on the team. Because, I mean, Grady Eifert started out as a walk-on at Purdue. He ended as the most efficient player in college basketball. So maybe no, he didn't no, start no, no. as a significant player, but no, no, no. I, mean, no, no. I think you no, need no, from no. the walk-ons saying, to to everybody, I, right? No, I'm saying I'm saying signing the deal with the local car dealership and doing oh, commercials okay. for yeah, this yeah, local business tough. and actually benefiting off your name, image, and likeness because yeah. it ain't just going to be as simple as NIL. There's going to be, you know, like the, the, that's what I'm asking is how much? What's the percentage of total players that are actually benefiting significantly from this ruling? No, I think it's I think it's bigger than you realize. Like Rafael, if you were in the off season in like a June when you were playing at Purdue, if you held like an autograph session, right, at like a, a bookstore or something like that, do you, how much money do you think you could have made off that? Mm. I honestly, I don't think it's as big as you think because I don't think, like I, I honestly, I don't think so. I, I don't think it's as comparable because I don't think I think you're better off getting a job for the summer than holding a book signing and making a few dollars here and there. I bet I think you're better off getting an internship. And making ten thousand dollars in eight weeks with Eli Lilly. Yeah, but I'm gonna tell you so this: that makes because if you, I'm, you, if I'm you, at Purdue and I'm getting a sales and sales management degree, and yeah. if I because this is me, I'm not going to the NBA. I'm getting a sales and sales management degree in the summertime. Yeah, I could do this book signing, or I could be on campus all day, or I can go work for Eli Lilly and make ten grand. But NCAA says no to that. And at the yeah. time, I have a daughter. Uh-huh. So you're telling me to you're telling me to the- stay here, make nothing, and work for the John Purdue Club for free compared to going to make that. But then two years later, you're saying, oh, you guys could have a book signing. Uh, hopefully fans could come out and maybe you make a few dollars. That should keep you happy. Well, why can't, why can't you do all the above? Like, yeah, you can't, that's what I was going to say. You, could, you, could, you can't have a paid internship. Oh, yeah, you yeah, pay you one. can't. No, you no, can't have a paid one. one. Had to be free. No. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but a You should student. be allowed to have one, but you can't, unfortunately, which is... Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Now, the the system now that system has been bad for many years. I, I I think I may have graduated many moons before you in college, but I'm I'm never going to forget this statement that Coach Smith made to me and and to he made to everybody that finished at North Carolina. 
And this is what he was doing in, in North Carolina. This is 1998. After, after you finished and you were leaving North Carolina, he would have you come and speak at camp and he would give us a check for 10 grand. He'd write a check. He'd give us a check for 10 grand and he'd say, make sure you start your life off right. This is what, what he was doing in 98. And the one thing he always said, he said, always come back and support the kids and spend time with them, but never give the institution a dollar. <laughs> and and at that point in time, I didn't really understand it. You know what I mean? This was 1990. I, I didn't understand what he was saying. But even then, he understood, you know, what was going on. And he was like, the, the institutions made enough money off of you at that point in time. And so um, I, I think it is my opinion. I think it's the responsibility of the coaches to make sure that they put a lot of emphasis on the growth of these players in, in many ways as well. Like you said, they, they need to be fighting for these kids to have, you know, their, their you know, imagings. Um, they need to be fighting to make sure that these kids, uh, you know, can, you know, can get the money that they need. I mean, hell, why not even sacrifice some of your own salary to make sure that your players, you know, start your own company and hire your players and you can pay them. I mean, hey, I mean, it's like you said before, there's a lot that's going on and a lot of things, you know, the NCAA has taken advantage of of, of it, but they have a chance to to make it right. The internship thing could be huge because you allow kids just to go out for four weeks in a Maymaster and get an internship. They may be able to make five, ten thousand $10,000 and learn real corporate skills. So that, that's something that's invaluable. You know, I want to agree with that, Rachel. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, because that's something that also what people would normally would say, well, you're getting a free education compared to a regular student that get a free education. But here in the summertime, one, we're not going to the book, <laughs> we're not going to the career fairs because the career fairs are two to five. We have practice, and then two in the summer, we can't get that advancement in our career for those internships that puts us ahead. So when it is time to graduate, people look at athletes and say, well, why can't you just go get a job? You had an education. Well, we didn't have those internships to compete at Google that the same sophomores and juniors that had them. You know what I mean? So you still, are, no matter if you go pro, you're at a disadvantage, like you're old. So then if you go into the career field, you're late, you're behind. So telling a kid you should go back to school and think about your future, you're kind of telling a kid to go back and be behind. Yeah. Well, I understand that, but I feel like, I feel like the biggest thing that you can get from an institution is you know especially because you put your you know you put so much emphasis on your body, blood, sweat, and tears in that environment. I think you know the one thing that you know that you you should do for yourself is make sure that you you know you get your degree. Um, you know, I, I just that's just me. Um, you know because they you know like you said they make so much money off of you know off of kids. Period, and uh, you know it just it just says something. You know, I'm not gonna let you just beat me up and take everything. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get something. And uh, but you know, it's it's good. You know, really listening to you, the institution should hire you. You should be a person on campus helping some of these kids understand the importance of getting that education and and saying, hey, you know what? Don't don't let yourself just be considered an athlete. You know, be a businessman. That's what I always try to tell my kids and. And tell the kids at Carolina, hey, listen, man, you're a businessman. Don't don't be considered an athlete because you can't you can't be an athlete for the rest of your life because yeah, it's gonna stop. Yeah, it's that's going what to happened stop. to me. 
because I was playing. I went and play. I was playing. I was playing on team with Lindsay Smith and Kaden Lucas. We were in China. I ruptured mm-hmm. a disc in my. I ruptured a disc in my back three months after I graduated. So for me, it happened real quick. Right. Kind of that transition into the real life. But it, I always took time and spent life on the, on the other side of campus. But that's right. the thing. That's something that I did on my own. That yeah. wasn't something that was pushed on me. That wasn't something that was told to do. But for me, it's how come other people aren't pushed to do that? You know what I mean? If you're not actively trying to do that yourself, the NCAA doesn't really care if you do it. But they right. but they care if you make it to the NCAA tournament. They want that to keep going. So it's just not it's not a it's not a lot of give and take. But we want we want the kids to always come back because I mean that's where we make our money. But in reality, the G League being in that competition, living in the pro life, because that's what happens to these kids a lot too. They're in a coddled environment at, at Michigan State, at Purdue. They're going to have a schedule every day. Then they get into the real world, the real world, they get into the NBA, they get into the G League, and they just can't be a man. You know what I mean? So, yeah. At, at one day, we gotta let the hand go. And if they're gonna make it, they're. Gonna, and I always say, I always say this too: a man is gonna be a man, and a man is gonna make his own decisions. They're gonna make it if they want to make it. We not you can't because at one point you gotta let the hand go, and if you hold it too long, they might fall off a cliff when you let it go. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting, you know, microcosm because you a lot of times these kids are so great. You know, especially these one and done. These kids are so great that they've never faced, I call it basketball adversity, where now you got to sit on the bench. Now, now, no matter how good you were, no, you first round pick, you're not playing. And so now what do they go to? They don't understand that you still got to be in the gym working. They don't understand that this is bigger than them. You know, they're, they're in a position now where they may act out. They're in a position where they just, you know, don't understand the business side of it or, you know, understand how important it is to be uh, a great teammate just to have an opportunity. Because the biggest thing in the NBA is having an opportunity. Shit, you can work your ass off. I mean, like the most disappointing thing for me being an NBA basketball player, and I never wanted to play in the NBA. It was never a dream of mine. You know, I was never all state I wasn't none of that stuff. So when I got to college, I wanted to be, I wanted to work on Wall Street. That's why I got an economics degree at Carolina. So pe- people tell you, basketball was the furthest thing from my mind. But the, the worst thing that I, I, I experienced in the NBA was when you would see guys that bust their tail to put themselves in a the position to make a basketball team and they get cut and they did everything and they really better than the dudes that they got cut for. That's when I, I began to not appreciate it as much because politics. the politics of the game, that's the business It's called business. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I like, I'm not there. So, and I got, I'm outside speaking in, but I couldn't understand how Dakota Mathias got let go. So you hit a game winner, then two days later you get let go. So that side of it, I, I get you. No, yeah, I, it, I, it had nothing yeah, to do with him. It had, it had nothing to do with him. And that's the, yeah. that's the, and that's where I, I always tell people, listen, you don't have to have the NBA by your name for your credentials. Your peers, your peer, what your peers say about you is the most important thing because the NBA is a totally different monster. And if you come from an environment where you love basketball and you love winning and you get to that NBA environment, it's a, it's a, it's a complete culture shock because you begin to see 
everybody ain't playing to win. People playing for incentives. People playing for, you know, they playing, for, you know, money. You know, it's just, it's just a totally different monster. And so, you know, it's, that's, those are the things that I'm extremely apprehensive about the young guys for that. Those are the things that I think in my head, like, man, I hope, I hope that there's somebody there that's helping them understand what this is about. And think about it. I was a person that went to college for four years and it was difficult for me to understand some of the things that were going on and and why a 19 year old shit. It, 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 it you know, I, and, and, and it's a bad fall for them because they're not that like you and I. Yeah, it's that's, not like you, you and think, I. No, I completely, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, 100%. I just want to throw you, just throw you a loop. Okay. You think a 19-year-old now with social media and how they, everything is visible in your face is different from a 19-year-old when you were coming up? For sure. So from, and my question behind that is they seem a little bit more ma- kind of knowing things now, kind of mature. It seems like, I mean, you, if you look at even the Blue Bloods this year, seems like the older generation of coaches can't get through to these young guys. Yeah, and it seems it, like AAU is kind of given a professional lifestyle, and then they go into this college confined, and they don't, especially this year, showing. The younger guy, like in Kentucky, they don't like it. You know what I mean? They don't like being confined. So what are what at this point, what could that older generation of coaches, what are they do, giving to these kids that don't like to be yelled at anymore? Well, the thing about it is, for me, um, we grew up in we grew up in an environment where if your elder said do something, you did it. <laughs> you did, and so you did it because I said do it. Well, nowadays because they have this is the information age, that type of logic doesn't work. Which for me is is okay. It's okay to it's okay to a certain extent. And the reason why I say that is because Rafael, I'm capable of teaching you. So I've been you before. I've been that student athlete. I've been the kid that, you know, like, why is this going on? I can, this gives me a chance to explain to you. I'm teaching you as opposed to telling you. So you have an understanding of why this is going on. Why? Because I've been that person. I understand why you're thinking this. So let me help you, young blood. Let me help you. Let me explain to you and teach you why you do this and you don't do this because it's going to benefit you. And that's that was like I said before, going back to what I said before, you gotta in my it is of my opinion. Like 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 this stuff now, this media stuff. I wasn't a media guy. That's that's not what I did. I'm old school. I didn't do this. So who who did I have to rely on? I had to rely on Jeff and Rob. Guys who were familiar with this to to help teach me and help me understand how these things work. Why? Because they they're in it. It made no sense for me to go to Antoine Jameson and ask him, this is not what he does. So these people that are doing this and are in that environment and have done this, they're more capable of explaining to you and teaching you why, because they've been there. That's like me going to your institution, Purdue, and talking about Purdue and the ins and outs of Purdue, but I never went to Purdue. Who's the best person on here that can explain that whole environment it's you why because you've been there and not only because you've been there right because there's some people that have been there you can articulate it 
You can articulate it to where I can understand, where we can understand the importance and say, hey, you know what? I get I get exactly what he's saying because he was able to explain it to me. He met me where I, I am to help me explain, to help me understand this environment. No, I agree. And I think there, right there, what you're saying, that person that's been through it, that person that's seen it, but also that person that is not, I'm not going to say not too much older than you, but that you can look at it, you can relate to. For sure. And it's kind of in the in the conversation, conversational way. I think that's a disconnect in the college game. I don't think a lot of guys go back to the university to pull those guys that maybe aren't pro along. You know what I mean? I don't think that, though, I don't, this is my, this is my thing with college basketball, just being honest. I don't think that, that college coaches or college players, they go back and they take care of that seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth man on the bench career wise, whether they're playing basketball or not. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, it's those guys, they gave four years, they did all they could. There's no reason why they shouldn't, if, if it's, if you're at a high major university, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get a, a Fortune 500 job. That's if that's your if that's what you want to do. You know what I mean? You shouldn't struggle after college basketball. If everyone told you, well, this is the reason you're doing this. You should be coming here for your education. Well, help me help me create a resume if that's the, if that's the check. You know what I mean? Don't right. rely on my teachers and on campus to help me create this resume. If you want me to keep coming back here, maybe I'm not gonna play 30 minutes a game. I'm not gonna make money overseas. But I can make two hundred, two hundred thousand dollars as a director at a company. Help yeah. me there, and I think that's something that the NCAA could put money into that that player, right? Or even that player that does go overseas, and maybe they play overseas for ten, twelve years, and when they come back, they don't have a resume. You know what I mean? They don't have a career resume to where they can't jump into the corporate field. But then again, they don't have a coaching resume to where they got to start over at a GA. Right. It's kind of like how are we taking care of our athletes? even when they do get 35, 40, and the ball does stop bouncing. Right. Well, I, I will say this. Um, you know, I was blessed to, to, you know, to go to the University of North Carolina. And um, all the things that you're talking about now is what made North Carolina, North Carolina. That's what made Coach Smith so outstanding. The things that you're referring to now, he was doing in the 80s, 90s. Because he understood how important it was for, you know, young men from different demographics. And so um, that's one thing that I am extremely, you know, vehemently, you know, open about. I do those things that you're talking about now. Like, you know, kids at the institution, each and every year, they know who I am. I'm there spending time with them. I let them know, you know, I'm a resource for them because that's what we were built on. Um, and I think those things can happen at any other institution if the emphasis are put on it. Not so much, you know, from the NCAA, but from the coaches. Right. The coaches. The, the, the coaches can put that emphasis on on those types of things. You know, nobody told Coach Smith that he had to give his people – uh, his guys that were graduating from college, 10 grand. He did that on his own because he cared. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, we talk about, you know, coaches caring. I mean, you're making $2.2 million a year. What, what is it? What is it? You got five seniors graduating, 50000 in cash I mean, or $50,000. You know, you write a $10,000 check to each kid. What, what is that? 
What, what is I agree. I agree with <laughs> that, you, man. That's you know, to what they've given you and what they'd allowed you to do as a coach. That's pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pennies on the you. dollars. So you know, that's the one thing I say. Hey, man, if I'm ever blessed to be a head coach, you know, um, which I have aspirations on, man, I'm 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 a I'm gonna follow my coach's lead, but I'm gonna make sure that my kids understand that. First and foremost, it's bigger than basketball. We you oh, hear for basketball, real. but but it's bigger <laughs> than basketball. And, yeah, and and and, and I'm gonna show you guys. I'm gonna show you because when you give me your blood, blood, sweat, and tears, man. When it's time for you to leave, man, I'm 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 gonna stroke them checks, man. Yeah. I'm stroking See, them so, checks. Um, I don't cut you off, but what you just said is bigger than basketball. Uh, man, I started. That's I started me a nonprofit this year, and I have a basketball camp line, a basketball training organization, and that's mm-hmm. our brand. It's bigger than that's on the hoodie. That's everything bigger than basketball. That's what yeah. it's all about. Because everything you're saying is kind of how I was raised through it, and that's how you that's how you build the longevity of a program. That's kind of what you're saying about Coach Smith. That's kind of why North Carolina is North Carolina. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, I think that's super. I'm with you on everything you're saying. Yeah, but you know, cool. like you 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 would be, you know, this is my first time just listening to you, and and I understood what you were saying earlier. You know, um, but like, man, you would be you, you would be awesome over there, at Purdue. Uh, I, I mean, because 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 guess what? You you can give them the perspective of, hey, you know what? This is this is how life goes. Right. This is how life goes. You know, and I, I was a professional, and and I had an injury, and and it stopped for me just like this. So. Mm-hmm. You know, listen to what I'm listen to what I'm telling you. And not only what I'm telling you, I'm showing you. I'm 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 the example. I'm the example. You you think them kids ain't gonna listen to you? I'm with you. You're right. You 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 the you the, you, the, you the best recruiter that they can have. <laughs> this is the truth. Right. Uh, I got on with you. This is the truth. But and that's the part that bothers me in, in basketball. Yeah. When you have you have individuals that are capable of doing these jobs, and you don't give them an opportunity, that's the you know what, and that's what it's all about. Even planning it, it ain't that the guy's building somebody. It's an opportunity. If you're given an opportunity, if you're given an opportunity, some of these coaches are just some of these coaches are, and not not all of them. I mean, I'm not speaking for all coaches. But some right. of these coaches are in these positions because they were a friend to a coach at one point in their life. Man, what you, you talking there's about? A, so there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of <laughs> like you were saying earlier. It's a lot of politics. It's a lot of favors. It's a lot of yeah. you know what I mean. But in the sense of you need people, and like I said, I'm I'm not just speaking for me, but like yourself, you need people in these positions that have these type of mindsets that just, it's just not a job to them. That is right. bigger than basketball it's to them. That is a life to them. That's so right. I'm a that's been my problem too, because a lot of these, not like I said, not all of them. None of the coaches I play for are like this. But some you will see coaches. I see coaches that I even came up with through the AAU scene who are not coaches. It's like you know that's a favor. You know <laughs> that coach got that job because he knows this AAU director. You know right. what I mean? Instead of who can really build these kids to where there you if go. they don't go to the NBA they can still go out and be a man and take care of their family. That's right. Because we're taking four years of these kids, not only their time, but their body, their mind. We're, I mean, not not my college coaches, but I've heard stories. A lot of these kids are being degraded sometimes 
I mean, one of my one of my favorites, one of my teammates went to high school with him, went to college with him, Jay Simpson. His whole entire life, they were saying, "You're not in shape. You're overweight. You don't go hard enough. You're a lazy kid. You're this. You're that." But it came down. He passed out at Nebraska. He passed out on the court. He had a heart condition. So his entire life, oh, he was deemed mercy. as a lazy kid. He was deemed as that kid who didn't go hard, who had an attitude. But in reality, his attitude kicked in when he felt like he would pass out. And when he said that, no one believed him. But it was true. You know what I mean? So right. who 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 cares enough about that kid to make sure you – No, know, he's not playing basketball anymore, but just to make sure he continues on with his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's stuff like that that makes it bigger than just going out there and being on the floor. Because you give me your all, and he could have died out there on that court. No but question. it's kind of like, who's going to – you know what I mean? Who helps him on? Right? And yeah. I'm not saying who gives him anything, but who calls him and say, hey, you okay? You know what I right. mean? That, that's the side of the game that I don't like. Yeah. Well, you, you might need to get in the game. <laughs> you might need to get in the game because it's it's needed, you know. Now, now you know, uh, unfortunately, you probably could be looked at as a threat, but it's not about being a threat. It's about what's best for these kids. Right, and a lot yeah. of times, I think a lot of times people forget or don't take into consideration what's best for the kids. And um, to do that, you got to get out. Be you got to get out beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and most people aren't comfortable doing that, but. You know, that that just, you know, that just gives us a, an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? When God creates an opportunity for us to be in that position, we won't do the same thing that others have done before us. No, no, we'll make that difference. Yeah, I agree. No, but, uh, but yeah, man, let me let me know about your um your 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 nonprofit, man, so we can make sure that we, uh, you know, um, support it. I, I like to support it one way or the other. Oh, yeah, I, I if it's you financially or whatever the case may be and. Maybe you know you have a camp. Need somebody to come and speak when when all this stuff clear. Big time. We'll love to to you know love to help you for no, sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anything you got going on, <laughs> let me know how I can be a part. Cause we need more of what you're saying. We need more more men, especially your generation, giving that back. Cause that's uh I talk about it every day. That's big to me. Well, I appreciate it, man. We got a job to do. We all got a job. Yeah, straight to do. up, <laughs> keep hey, it going. Yeah, Rob, Rob, and them need to have. We need to have a, a field of sixty-eight uh, basketball camp or something. Yes, no, we, do. Yeah, we do. We do. Once you're <laughs> actually allowed to have more than five people in room at the same time, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I'll tell you be what, great. I guarantee, I guarantee, I will be the knockout champion at that. Uh, <laughs> camp. What, what, hold on, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What you mean by that, though? Knockout? Yeah, what you mean? I'm I'm gonna win the knockout champion. I thought that's what you meant, but you did you did forget that I was on the phone. I hadn't hung up yet. <laughs> no, I I know. I know I'm guaranteeing it right now, Shimon. Oh man, yeah, I'm, good. I'm guaranteeing it. Rob. I think <laughs> Rob, come on, baby. You see how I gave you credit for teaching me how to do this media stuff? Now, you yeah, know I ain't no, gonna let right, your ball right. go in it'll the be, basket it'll be, more it'll than be mine. After I, get a, after I get a couple of shooting classes in with Shamal, <laughs> <laughs> I can't let you beat me. But, but, but this has been great, Raphael. Man, I, I appreciate you. I learned a lot from you this evening, young blood. I appreciate, well, I appreciate you. you. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We need more of this. Well, I appreciate uh, you guys having this conversation. I, I really did enjoy. Just what? Sitting here you could have spoke up, and, huh? 
It's a, I, you could have spoke up. I didn't want to. It. I wanted to let oh. you guys go, man. I I, I loved it. I, I was I just I put my phone on mute and I was I was just listening. You know, that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, well, good man. I, I appreciate this. I, mean, I this, hope this everyone make, else. I, I, I feel a lot better after Carolina too. loss. I feel a lot better after this. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel better. I feel better. We took a we took a tough one. <laughs> me too. Yeah, good gosh, boy. I can't stand losing to the blind, boy. I tell you, I do not like it. I, cannot, I don't like it. But we we gonna be back, baby. We got to get back. We got a big game Sunday, so I mean Saturday. Is it Saturday? Yeah, it's so, Saturday. Yeah, All right, Saturday, guys. Well, so. listen, I, I, I do appreciate you guys doing this. Um, it, it really was a lot of fun to listen in. Uh, for everybody that is still here, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, yes. Rafael and Shaman, I will talk to you guys in a little bit, all right? All right. Thank you all. Listen. All right. Peace.